Good morning, Joy Church. How are you guys doing today? Good to see you guys. Man, what an incredible time of worship, incredible time in the presence of God. Just could feel the smile of the Father over us as we sang, you know. Um, the Lord loves to hear your voice, whether you can carry a tune in a bucket or not. That's why we have these amazing gifted people up here. Aren't we thankful for them? Our worship team doing a wonderful job leading us into worship. And But you know what? Uh, but it's for all of us to sing and worship the Lord. It can't be somebody else worshiping him for you. Amen? And uh, just believe in these times of worship. They're not just a setup for a sermon. This, the time of worship is where the church, as God's family, we're gathered together to love him, to uh, pour out our praises, our hearts. If you find you know, that you can't engage in worship, um, I just encourage you on, on Sunday next week when you come, like push through a little bit and sing and lift up your hands. And maybe, maybe for you, it's like, you know, you just do a little white person toe tap or something like that. Well, Pastor Jake, you're a white guy. No, I'm Italian. So it's a little different. It's a little Latin blood in here. It's a little different. Uh, but maybe for you, it's a little toe tap. Maybe it's maybe you get a little shoulder shake when we sing, your love is all around me. Uh, or maybe it's lifting up your hands. But just in all seriousness, encouraging us as a church to continue to press in and worship. And uh, God is on the move. And it's so cool to see. Uh, man, I got to, to hear the message in first service, and I am very encouraged. I can't wait to hear it again. Today, we have an incredible honor to hear from my dear friend, Pastor Ted Chichui, and he and his wife, Mona, are here from Oradia, Romania. I didn't say it as nice as you say it, but you're going to get to hear him. He's an incredible pastor, man of God, husband, father, but he's also the voice of Gru from Despicable Me. <laughs> And many people, he hasn't got the royalty checks yet, but they're coming. And uh, in all seriousness, Pastor Ted, we've known each other since 2008. And uh, we got to go to Romania and, and, and meet with them. And right away, our hearts were knit together. Just knew that we both love the Lord with passion. We love to laugh. We love to eat. Uh, and the saddest thing about serving God in the kingdom of God is that sometimes your best friends live all the way across the world. And, you know, if, if, if we could just get invited to come live in Romania and serve God and be on Pastor Ted and Mona's team, we would do it. But we're called here in Eugene. Come on, somebody's got to keep the Huskies in check. Come on. <laughs> Praise God. But we love these guys, and they're, they're phenomenal uh, in everything they do. They do everything with excellence. Uh, Pastor Ted got down after first service. He goes, hey, was that okay? I go, no, it wasn't okay. That was awesome. You're a great preacher. And he's going to talk to us about faith today, and I'm so excited for that. Pastor Ted, would you come up and... Minister, give him a hand. Thank you, Jake. Oh, what a blessing to be here together with uh, you to celebrate what God has done. Last time I was with you four years ago, you guys were in a movie theater, and look what the Lord has done. Let's give the Lord. This is amazing. And I know it wasn't just the brains of, uh, of your pastors, uh, although they are very smart, very entrepreneur, but it, this, is, this is the Lord adding and building his church. You know, and uh, like Pastor uh, Jake said, we get to serve together. And what a, what a privilege. And I, I just want to thank you for, um, for loving our church all the way in Romania, Oradia. Where in Romania, you know, they say that the largest, we have the largest population of brown bear in Europe. So come visit us. We'll, 
You can fight the bears and uh, take pictures with the bears. It's amazing. I want you to see my family. I don't know if you... Oh, this is uh, me, my wife, and our three, uh, three wonderful boys, uh, Teddy, Lucas, and Patrick. We're glad to serve together, about the same age as uh, Jake and Bethany's. And we're just glad to be able to be with you and uh, be your little sister in Romania, Oradia. Uh, it's wonderful. And I, I thank you for um, all the times you stepped in and helped us. And uh, thank you, guys. Your, your generosity and your prayers are felt in Romania, Oradia. So thank you for being that kind of a church that goes beyond the walls of um, this city. Thank you so much. Well, uh, we're going to get to the Word of God. Uh, Jake didn't give me much time, you know, but we're going to get straight to the Word of God. And, uh, and we were talking with Bethany after the first service how, you know, um, back in Romania, in the villages, they would be all day at church, you know. And the reason was, not, it was it's not so much, you know, they, that they loved God. Of course, we loved God. But it was what else to do, <laughs> you know. There's nothing else to do in villages. So the, it was just long, long, long hours. And you got to hear seven people preach. It was, it's just, a, it was amazing. So this, this Sunday, you only get to hear me. So just listen as we get dive into the word of the Lord. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at First Peter, chapter one. I love your series up for it, and uh, you know to whatever God speaks to you, step out in faith and and do it. And I I feel as if uh, uh, for those of you that the the Lord will speak today, just hold on. This message is for you. <laughs> It may be in going through a just difficult season, different, uh, different trials coming in your life and hitting you like a train. And um, the Lord will say, just hold on. Just hold on. It's going to get better. So First um, Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Let's dive into the word. I'm reading from the ESV translation. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification by the, of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God, verse 3, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now, but though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to talk about the subject faith tested by fire. 
Faith tested by fire. And, um, you know, the, the theme of the whole epistle of uh, 1 Peter is that uh, just as the sufferings of Christ led to glory, uh, our sufferings and our trials can be the way you can become something great. And the sufferings and the trials we go through, they're not meant to destroy you. But through them, you can become great. And the sufferings that we go through um, can be uh, likened like a furnace that uh, can transform your character and your heart uh, and make it in gold. And so this is what the epistle is about. And um, you know, when you, when you see that the same sun that uh, hardens a clay also melts wax. It's the same one. So what's the difference? The difference is the internal chemical structure. It's how each one processes the sun that determines the outcome. How do you process your sufferings? How do you process your trials? Because how you process them will determine if they will, make, if they will destroy you. But they were never meant to destroy you. They were made to make you great. So let's look at, I, I wanted to look at three things this morning. Three. So we'll look at these three things. Number one, we'll see that we are saved because of his great mercy. We are saved because of his great mercy. Number two, we have a hope that overwhelms our grief. We have a hope that overwhelms our grief. And number three, there is another in the furnace. There is another in the furnace. So let's look at number one. We are saved because of his great mercy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. According by his great mercy. See, the doctrine of election says that you are saved only by the grace and mercy of God. Only by the grace and mercy of God. And see, if you do not believe the doctrine of election, which Jake, Pastor Jake can explain later on and answer all the confusion, all the questions, I'm just here to bring a little bit of a scratching to this doctrine. But if you don't believe the doctrine of election that he chose you, you didn't choose him, um, uh, let me ask you something. Why are you, why do you think you are a Christian and your neighbor is not a Christian? And you may say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian because I believed and my, my neighbor didn't believe. That's true. But let me ask you this. Why did you believe and your neighbor didn't believe? Well, he said, well, well, I repented of my sins and my neighbor didn't repent of his sins. True. But let me, let's go on. Why did you repent of your sins and your neighbor didn't repent of his sins? Well, he said, well, you know, I was open to the truth and my neighbor wasn't open to the truth. True. You were more open to the truth. But why were you more open to the truth? Well, because you, you say, well, I was ready to listen. True. That's true. And why, why, why do you think you were ready to listen? And you see, we can go on until we realize the thing that the only difference between you and your neighbor that is not a Christian is the grace of God that was bestowed upon you. And it has nothing to do with the grace of God plus your openness. No, it was the grace of God that saves you by the mercy of God. Amen? And so that's 
where you can be grateful and there's nothing to boast about that, <laughs> but everything to be grateful for. When he talked about let's worship, you can worship because you have been chosen and worship this God that has chosen you. Amen? Verse 5 says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, when we talk about salvation, you have to understand, understand that salvation is tri-dimensional. It has three dimensions. See, you will find that in the Bible. You will see that we have been saved in the past from the punishment of sin. It talks about the sprinkling of the blood. It's another way of saying your sins have been forgiven because you believed on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins. So we have been saved from the punishment of sin. But presently we are being saved from the power of sin. But you see the salvation is not done because there is a salvation ready to be revealed because we will be saved from the presence of sin. Oh, what a glorious day that will be when we will be saved from the presence of sin. So verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Now, number two, what I want to talk about, second point, is that we have a hope that overwhelms our grief. It doesn't eliminate our grief, but overwhelms it. Overwhelms it. Now, if you don't know, if you, you know, you're just beginning this walk as a Christian, let me tell you from the start, the Christian life is not free from trials. It's not free from suffering. We all wish it could be, and there come a day when we will be, but not yet. That's a salvation to be revealed. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're on this journey where right now, as a Christian, you will go through grieving times. You will go through suffering. You will go through, um, through uh, trials. But here's the paradox. It says, in this you rejoice, though now, 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 not for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. You see what this... It's saying, it doesn't say you rejoice, if this you rejoice, though in the past you have been grieved. No, no, it doesn't say you cannot rejoice now because now you are grieved. No, it says in this you rejoice, though now for a little while. So what, what, what? There is rejoice and there is grief. In us at the same time. At the same time. But our joy overwhelms our grief. You see, Apostle Paul put it in a beautiful way in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 through 9. He says, we are afflicted in every way. You gotta be kidding me. I thought uh, we, we get some kind of uh, like limitation as a Christian. He says, in every way. In every way. It says, but not crushed. Not, not crushed. But afflicted in every way, yes. Perplexed. But not driven to despair. Wasn't, wasn't there ever a time when you said, oh, why, what is going on in my life? 
what is this train just hit that just hit me what's this storm all about have you ever been perplexed how many people were perplexed in the back in the in the past or maybe even now like i don't know what's going on in my life but see paul was perplexed same way he didn't understand but he said but not perplexed but not driven to despair you're still here you came to church that's, that means you're not given to despair. It says then persecuted, but not forsaken. It says struck down. Struck down, yes. As a Christian, you can be struck down, but not destroyed. Not destroyed. You see, this is what Paul and Peter are talking about. What the Bible teaches us is that as Christians, because you believe the gospel, you can be more grieved and more joyful at the same time. At the same time. But remember, but remember, we have a hope that overwhelms the grief. We have a hope that overwhelms the grief. You see in the first five verses, Apostle Peter is, uh, is giving us the first, in the first five verses, what the theologians would call the order of salvation. And look at what he's saying. He's saying, before world began, before the world began, God in eternity has put his love on you. He loved you before time began. Now try to comprehend that. Before time began, you were on his mind. He put his love on you. Then he chose you. He chose you. Put you on his list. You are chosen. Not only did he chose you, but he sent his spirit to set you apart. And wherever you've been on this journey, you were never crushed because there was a Holy Spirit watching over your life and leading you to the point where you will accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And the day came and you believed and you received him and you were born again into the family. And now you're growing in grace and in holiness and God is protecting us for what's gonna be the final moment in history when he will appear. And uh, this will be the last part of the salvation where we will see salvation being revealed in the last time, where we will be with him for eternity. So this is the truth that he's talking, Apostle Peter, about us. So we have the foreknowledge of God that leads to his election. His election leads to his calling. You heard the call of God and you answered and you were born again. That led to repentance, that led to faith. And that led to the sprinkle of the blood. That means your sins were forgiven. That led, led to holiness. That led to now obedience. That will lead to the glorification in the last day. He says, in this you rejoice. You are on a journey. This is not your home. We're on a journey to be forever in a new earth and a new heaven with Jesus Christ. That, that has always been the plan. Before time began, you are on his mind and chosen to spend eternity with him. Now, these truths, if you grasp them, you believe them, you embrace them, will help you overcome the trials you're going through. This is what Apostle Peter says will help you rejoice in this. 
in this. You see, what Apostle Peter says, he says the, the trials come to us, not just because we're in this world, and in this world you, have, you will have trouble. That's not what he says. He says, in this you rejoice, there is trials that come because of that, but there, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, if necessary. God, why is it necessary that I be hit by a train? Why is it necessary for this storm? I was enjoying a peaceful fishing trip on my, on my lake. Why the storm? Why the storm? You see, there is a plan. The storm is part of the plan. And the problem is, the reason why it's painful is because it's not our plan. Right? Who would choose a storm? None of us would choose a storm. None of us in our right mind. Yeah, I want a storm. <laughs> I remember my father was in the Pentecostal Union in, um, in, um, in Romania. And he told, me about, um, he told me about this Christian that he thought he's stronger than anybody else. And he said, um, this is in the village, right? So he says, he says to the guys, the, the leaders of the union, of the Pentecostal union, he's like, yeah, I can face the devil. The devil, I got, you know, I'm going to smash him. He's like, you serious? Yeah, the next day, next day, his barn burns down. Okay. And then, the next, he's like, no, no devil. I, you know, he was fighting. And then uh, and the next day, the animals die. Some sickness uh, enters. And then he, he ended up that his house got on fire. Nobody in their right mind chooses storms. He was kind of strange, wasn't he? <laughs> but you see, the a good thing about the storms is that uh, it says, there is, uh, it says, uh, for a little while. Isn't it great to know that they don't last forever? You know, it's wonderful to know that we're not gonna, all the time it's just going to be stormy. At least we can sit by the beach and just relax a little bit in the goodness and abide in God, Right? For a little while. Now, define a little while. Well, I'll tell you what. It's hard to define a little while because God says he's coming in a, in a short while and uh, time has passed. And he, yeah, he's still, we're still waiting, so it's hard to define a little while. But what we know for sure, a little while means temporarily. Temporarily. Some of you have been for a year in a storm. Some of you for two years in a storm. And so... The sun will shine again. That's what it says for a little while. Amen? So, number two was we have a hope that overwhelms our grief. And then we go to number three. There's a, number three is, is this. There is another in the furnace. What's interesting is that Apostle Peter, um, he likens our trials um, through going like through a fire. And um, you can see that in verse 7. It says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then if you go to chapter 4 verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Nothing strange is happening when the tri fiery trial comes, he says. So he refers to trial as a, as a fire. And uh, we can only imagine that Peter was thinking of, uh, had this image of a furnace when he's thinking about the, what happened in Daniel chapter 3. And what we have there in Daniel chapter 3, we have a story of a selfish king named uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, in verse 1 in chapter 3, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was 6 cubits. So we're talking about 10-story building by, you know, uh, 6 feet. And uh, he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And it probably this, this image represented him. And he called all the people, all the leaders, all the government to come and finally pay tribute to this image and bow before this image. And so they did, the music sang, the symphony was there. It was, you know, everyone was excited. Everyone was taken by this, just this image. What is it? You know, it's just tall. It's a pillar. And... Um, so the, there was this, all this bowing, everybody bowing, but except three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, you know, the king didn't see them because there's so many people, but, you know, they had, they had, you know, they had these guys that just couldn't wait to, to tell the king that three Jewish boys are not bowing. So the king says, no, no problem. Come, uh, let them, uh, we'll give them another chance. So they call them forward. You know, they probably get closer, like on stage. And like, come on, guys, you Jewish boys don't speak this language. Come on, we're going to, maybe things were lost in the translation. I'm going to give you another chance. Come on, guys. It's not that difficult. All you got to do is bow down. I'm not asking a lot. Come on, just bow down and do me this favor. Like everybody else, bow down and, you know, and you'll be okay. And the guys, the three Jewish boys says, ah, Nebuchadnezzar, it's so nice of you to give us a second chance. So nice of you. But you know, we will not bow to, to this image because we bow to, uh, our king is Jehovah. And uh, you know, listen, we, our king is so powerful. He could, because I know you said whoever doesn't bow, you'll throw them in the fire. But, you know, our God is so powerful, King Nebuchadnezzar, that he could save us from the fire you want to throw us in. But, you know, here, from the, getting the record straight, they're saying, even if he doesn't, we will not bow. We will not bow. If his plan is not to save us, we will not bow because we're looking at the salvation ready to be revealed for us. And so... So uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is mad. All these, these three, the opposition, three young Jewish boys is making him look bad. 
seven times harder to turn the fire on, seven times higher. So they did, and they took this, they bound these three Jewish boys and threw them in the fire. Even the people that threw them in the fire died. That's how powerful the fire was. And if you've ever been at a fire, like furnace like that, I, I was one time when I was close to a furnace that was melting stones to, uh, to make glass. And so, it's so you can't get close because it's the temperature is so like 500 degrees Celsius. I don't know what's in Fahrenheit. Jake knows all that. So, so they throw, these guys die, they throw them. And so he goes and he, the king goes on a higher ground to see how, these, how they melted and how they were destroyed. And he's surprised, he's surprised to see they're walking in the fire. Like, like they like it in there. And they're not bound. They're, whatever was bounding, that the clothes, those burned, but they're not burned. Oh, 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 oh. And he's looking closer. He's counting. One. Did I drink too much? Or what? Here, one, two, three. Oh, my. There's, who's in there? There's another one in there. And he's looking closer. And it looks like he's the son of God. He it looks like he has supernatural power. This is, it's another in the furnace. And the Bible says he calls them out. And they, he said, I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. Chapter two, verse 25. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of God. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. It was a miracle. These boys were kept by the power of God through the fire. But, 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 but the fourth didn't come out. Only the three came out. Question, class, who is the fourth? And see, good thing we have Isaiah because Isaiah clarifies who the fourth is. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, it says, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. It's not if you pass. When you pass. And, the, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk, when? Not if, when? When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This is Jesus in the fire before he is born in Bethlehem. Now put your mind around that. Our Savior in the fire. What does God promise to the ones he has chosen. And that's you. How do I know? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah. Then you have been chosen. You see, salvation is a beautiful thing. Because salvation is, is likened to a door. And that door, you look at it. And you come Sunday and you are presented the gospel. And the people, do you want to receive Jesus in your heart? Anyone who receives him. 
Anyone who makes him their Lord and Savior shall be saved. So you receive him. Then you receive salvation, punishment from sins. You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven because you put your faith in what the, the work of Jesus on the cross, of saving work. And then you walk through that door. I was 12 when I walked through that door. But you see, after I walked through that door and I began to read the Bible, I began to, I began to look back at the door of salvation. And I began to look up. I began to see, you have not chosen. Another verse, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. It was God all along. And His Spirit moving in my life. And putting all the circumstances that I, am, I, I may come to a point where I bow my knee and say, I want you to be Lord of my life. And I thought it was me. Then I read the Bible and I realized it was God all along that chose me. And yes, we are afflicted in every way. But the difference is this. In our fire, in our furnace that we go through, we're not alone. We're not alone. Because there is another in the furnace. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he, listen, he will not let the fire stronger to destroy you. He knows how much you can handle. I know you've been going through a lot. And I've, we have been going through a lot. And I know how it is. It seems like, don't put it any higher. Look, I don't think we can, we can take it. But he's refining you as gold. Because he wants to use you as a vessel to extend his kingdom. He wants to make your heart and your character like gold. Like gold. He's preparing you. He's, he has a plan. And listen, I want to end with this. If he can teach you in any other way what he wants to teach you, he would. But you have to go through this, not alone, with Jesus Christ next to you. There is another in the furnace. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your head? I, I know that there is people right now. Some of you are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, it's okay. I'm on the beach right now. I'm fishing for trout right now for salmon. Yeah, it's a good season now. And that's, you know, praise God. You know, praise God for those seasons. But I, I just want you to be prepared because, you know, they, suddenly these things come. And I want you to remember that when you will go, not if, when you will go through the furnace, there's another in the furnace with you. But I want to pray specifically for those right now that are going through and they're in the furnace. If you're in the furnace, as people bow their head, just raise your hand. I'm in the furnace right now, Ted. Okay? Just raise your hand. Thank you. There's hands everywhere. And I feel you and I understand I understand the pain and the suffering and the grief. But I also know that God can help you embrace this truth. That we have a hope of salvation that overwhelms our grief. And before time began, God has chosen you. And his, his hand is on your life. has always been on your life. You just didn't see it. And now he has a plan. He's taking you through that furnace. But there is a plan. He's trying to teach you. He's trying to refine you as gold. I pray for those that raise their hands, Father. That they will not let go of your hand. That they will not give up.
that they would have the faith to persevere, the faith to hold on, and to continue to praise you, just as Habakkuk said, even if there's no figs on the fig tree, even if there's no animals on the fields, I will still rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. I pray that this would be our attitude because God, you've given us everything, everything that we can stand firm in the midst of the furnace. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that there's power coming right now. You're going to strengthen and you're going to, right now, they're going to feel the Holy Spirit come into their life and strengthen them. All those that are going through the furnace right now, bring encouragement to them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Awesome. What a powerful message. Thank you, Pastor Ted. You know, he, Pastor Ted painted such a beautiful picture for all of us of that walking through that doorway, that dis- moment of decision. He's such a beautiful word that he brought that God chose you, that God chose you before you were even born in the Bible. We read that God actually formed you. He created you. And, you know, maybe you're here today and you think, no, I'm just, I'm just an accident or just a mistake or just nature's happenstance. But that's not what we believe. We believe the God of the universe created you, formed you, and chose you by name knows you by name. And Pastor Ted brought such a beautiful picture to every single one of us that we all come to this moment of decision where we have to choose and bow our knee and say, Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, it's not my will be done. It's your will be done. I'm surrendering my will to your will. And so right now, if everyone would just bow your head and close your eyes, that's what we talk about when we say, are you a Christian or do you have Jesus in your life? Or is this the moment of salvation for you? What we're saying is, have you made that decision to bow your knee, bow your heart and say, God, I'm gonna live for you. You are God and I'm surrendering my life to you. If you're in this room and you've never made that decision before, would you just lift up your hand. We don't do this to embarrass you or call you out. We do it because we want to stand with you. It's like an act of faith of you saying, God, I want to put my faith and my trust in you alone. Anyone in this room today that wants to follow Jesus, would you just lift up your hand for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? We're going to say a prayer, and it's not having the most perfect words or anything like that. It's just a way for you to vocalize that you are surrendering your heart, your life to the Lord, and you're asking Him to be your Savior, receiving salvation through Jesus Christ, through the life that He lived for you. So if everyone in the room, if you will repeat after me, dear Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. God, I recognize that it's through you that I can be saved. You are my only hope. And so God, I give you my life. I pray you will forgive me for the wrong that I've done. Help me to be like you. I put my trust and my faith in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.